please, would you stand to your feet? And uh, let's open this service today with a hand praise to the Lord. Let's exalt him and thank him in advance for his presence. Thank you, Jesus. God, we love you today. We love you today. We love you today. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. Well, if you're comfortable to do so, look at your neighbor, maybe give him a fist bump, a smile, and tell him I'm glad to see you. Thank the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank the Lord. God bless you. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. We want to say today how thrilled and enthused we are to see everybody here. Thank you for being on campus today. And uh, we really appreciate seeing you. And we're expecting great things today. Those of you joining us on live stream and Facebook Live, welcome. We're so glad to have you a part of our campus experience today. And we encourage you to, while you're in your home, or wherever you may be watching, to uh, worship the Lord with us, praise Him, and let's have a great, great time. So uh, to those of you on campus today, I hope you've noticed a little bit of difference uh, when you look this direction in comparison to what you saw last Sunday. Uh, everything has changed. Everything. Uh, and I just want to open briefly here today as you all know, we this past week has been very busy here at Grace Church from early morning to the wee hours of the morning. And uh, we've completely changed out all of our sound system. Everything is new. All of our lighting, everything is new. The old has passed away. And behold, all things have become new. So uh, you may notice that the speakers are not on the platform anymore. They're hanging from the ceiling. Uh, all the lighting is different. And I want to just take a moment and thank the people that made this possible. And, uh, we're, and they're all here. Most of them are here this morning uh, to make sure everything goes well. But I just want to express my heartfelt, sincere gratitude, first of all, to Donnie Culpepper. I think he's in the... Uh, He's over here. He's back there. There he is. He wanted to be up here on purpose so everybody could see him. So. <laughs> Got you, Donnie. Got you, buddy. Um, but uh, also Michael Gomez, um, I think, is in the building. He's back all the way. Now, he's all the way back there in the, on the other side. Uh, Zach Miller. And uh, we just, uh, Caleb Hogg is here today uh, working with all of the screen uh, you see here. And uh, Jordan Summer was here. And uh, uh, we have to call him Gomez. I finally asked him if he had a first name. Everybody calls him Gomez. It's Michael Gomez. Everybody calls him Gomez. But he's a, a school teacher, high school school teacher. And he brought a couple of students with him, Ethan and another Donnie. And they were, they were here, some were in and out, but uh, these guys have been here all week working, I mean, hours and hours every day. And I, I love their expertise. They're incredibly intelligent. They know what they're doing, and they've done a magnificent job. They have fulfilled pastor's dream, one that I've had for years. Uh, to have, uh, I, I, we had considered I'd ask them if they could do about a 15-second just show-off 
at what all this stuff can do, and then we decided not to. You'd walk out of here dizzy, and you'd think you was drunk on the Holy Ghost, but it would be something else. So we, we decided we'll, we'll just break you in slowly. But we have amazing technology now. We have uh, just incredible capability to magnify the Lord, as I preached last Sunday, in ways that we've never been able to do before. So these men have taken us to a whole nother level, and I appreciate them very much. I appreciate their attitude. Their attitude, their spirit is tremendous. All they want to do is help make churches better. That's all they want to do. They want to make environment better. They just want to make everything better. And they have done that at Grace Church. If you would here this morning, let's give these people some appreciation. remember in the Old Testament when God gave Moses instruction to build the tabernacle Moses found two artisans the Bible said to put all of that together to build all that furniture to to make it so people could worship the Lord and the Bible said about both of them that they had a great spirit and these gentlemen do they're just they just want to serve they wanted whatever we need whatever makes Grace Church better is what they've wanted to do they've achieved it and I'm very, very thankful. Donnie, to you and your crew today, thank you. Thank you so very much. Thank the Lord. This is tremendous. Thank the Lord. And I hope everybody has heard the news. If you haven't, I'm going to break it right now that uh, our governor has moved us to phase three. Now, and I'm thankful for that. That's progress, right? Thank the Lord. We're excited about that. And uh, I'm happy to move to phase three. I don't even know what it all means. Uh, I don't think you do either <laughs> from your response. Uh, but all I've heard is that people who own bars are disappointed. Uh, that's about all I've heard as far as the news goes. But what I'm excited about is it's going to make our attitude a little bit better. We're moving forward. We're kind of getting out of the, the, uh, the very challenging part of this. So I'm very, very thankful uh, for that this morning. Thank the Lord. Uh, we're going to open, as we've been announcing, we're going to open our service today with, um, I say this all the time, probably one of the most beautiful things that happens at Grace Church, and that is to dedicate babies to the Lord. I put a lot of stock in this. I believe it. I believe it's biblical. As a matter of fact, Jesus himself is the one who set the precedent. So if you would, this morning, uh, we want to invite uh, Ryan and Sandy and Miss Sawyer to come join us today. And uh, also Amy, Leroy, and we're going to invite Brother Noah to come up here with her today. So um, if one of you will stand to my right, the other to my left, we welcome these parents and their beautiful, beautiful babies that God has just given to them. And uh, we're excited, and uh, we want them to know that we love them and that we care deeply about them. Thank so this morning we're going to dedicate uh, Sawyer Taylor to the Lord and Noah Leroy. This is such a happy, happy occasion uh, for Ryan and Sandy and for... Amy and their families. And Amy, we want you to know you're still in our prayers today. 
to all of our parents here today, if the devil can't take a child's life, he will do everything he can to destroy his or her future so that when the child becomes an adult, he or she will be too embarrassed about their past to want to live for God. Pharaoh tried to take Moses' life by having all the boy babies killed. When that didn't work, he guided the ark and made by Jochebed, his mother, right into the arms of Pharaoh's daughter. His plan was to make Moses into an Egyptian to make sure his identity as a Jew would be completely erased. The same thing happened with Jesus. The disciples met a man whose child was having some severe life-threatening issues and when his disciples couldn't help that child in Mark chapter nine, the father brought his child to Jesus and the man said that his condition had been on him, had been with him since he was a child. It is imperative that parents raise their children with the hope of a protected and secure future so that when they are an adult, their identity is clearly defined so they can work in the kingdom of God without shame and without embarrassment. The psalmist said, Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. Happy is the man that has his quiver full of them, that they shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak within the enemies in the gate. The family is a divine institution ordained by God from the beginning of time. Children are heritage of the Lord committed to him, uh, to their parents for care, for protection, for training, for his kingdom and for his glory. So it is important that you as parents recognize this obligation and your responsibility to God in this matter. It's ironic to me that when Jesus was confronted by the disciples to identify the greatest in the kingdom of heaven, Jesus summoned a child, a child, a one of a kind, a person of significance, not a mistake, not an oops. A child is, was so important to Jesus that he told his disciples that in order to be in his kingdom, you had to become like one. And further, Jesus told them that if they could not bring themselves to become like a child, then they wouldn't qualify for his kingdom either. So Ryan and Sandy, Amy, I believe you wish to recognize the sacredness of this charge and now bring back to the Lord the treasure which he has entrusted to you. By doing this, you recognize and acknowledge your responsibility for the nurture and admonition of Sawyer and Noah in the ways of righteousness. So in the name of Jesus Christ today, we dedicate Sawyer and Noah to God and to his service. Grace Church, would you stand this morning? <clears throat> uh, we're going to pray along with our ministry team. We're going to pray for these two families today. Can we do that together? Everybody, let's pray together. Father, we love you today. And we're so thankful for this great moment, for this great opportunity. And God, we pray today that you would lay your hands on both of these babies. As much as you've given them to be such an awesome blessing, a source of happiness, a source of joy and fulfillment to their parents. I pray in Jesus' name that these parents would bring these kids back to you, giving them to you, being faithful to the house of the Lord with them, to raise them knowing the truths of the word of God. 
I pray that you would bless them, keep your hand on them, give them strength, guidance, protection, protect these children to be safe, to be healthy, to be strong. We pray, God, for a blood covering, a hedge around them. And we thank you for it today. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Let's give up some praise to Jesus. This is an awesome moment. It's an awesome moment. Let's give up some praise to the Lord today. Thank the Lord. Aren't you thankful for a God today that cares about our kids, about our families? Thank the Lord about our home. He cares about our marriage. He cares about our finances. I love the Lord today, don't you? Thank the Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank the Lord. God bless you, folks. You may return to your seats. Thank you so, so very much. Praise the Lord, Grace Church. Is anybody glad to be in the house of God today on this Sunday morning? Hallelujah. This is the day that the Lord hath made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Has anybody come to rejoice in the Lord today? Can we just stand up to our feet and give God praise? For he is great and he is greatly to be praised. And I thank him for it today.
here this morning it wasn't because the temple was so beautiful but it was because the presence of God was there that's why we're happy to be here I love everything that we have but none of it's worth anything if we don't have the presence of Almighty God in this place I love the Lord this morning I appreciate the presence that I feel here there is so much capability and, and potential in the presence of God you may be seated Oftentimes, we don't realize it. We sell God short. We put him in a box. But our God is greater than our imaginations, greater than our capabilities. We just need to kind of get out the way sometimes and let him do his work. Praise the Lord. We are thankful that you are here this morning. We, we, we appreciate those that are joining us on live stream. This is a wonderful experience. And we pray that you are blessed by God and that his will is accomplished in your life this morning. And we believe that it can be. We are thankful for the generosity here at Grace, and you are able to give, uh, not traditionally like we normally do, but you're able to give at the, in, the, in the Grand Central or through uh, the electronic portals that we have on our website and our app. Please, uh, please do so. We are very appreciative of it. There are only a couple of announcements, and then I'm going to get out your way, and you can worship God like I know you want to. Monday, September 14th at 7.14 p.m., United Family Prayer Time at Home. We've been doing this for several months now. And it pays dividends, ladies and gentlemen, in your home and in your family and in this church. So please keep it up. Tuesday, September 15th, Tuesday morning prayer at 10 a.m. in the sanctuary. We're a church that believes in prayer for good reason. Amen? Because it works. And finally, the bridge will be meeting this evening in the A Center at 6 p.m. This is a outreach for our ladies. I know it's going to be wonderful. My wife's been hard at work. So please be there this evening at 6 p.m. Do you love the Lord this morning? Can we, can we stand? Can we stand and lift up the name of the Lord Jesus? Let's give him a hand clap of praise this morning.
Jesus today. Would you clap your hands and let's magnify the Lord. Let's magnify him. Hallelujah. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. I commented to Brother Dave a few moments ago. I said, can't you hear the sound? Don't you hear the sound? He said, I absolutely do. There was a sound coming from the chairs today. There was a sound coming from the, we could hear it up here, a sound of exaltation and praise. I think somebody's happy today to be in the presence of the Lord. I think somebody's glad you came. Praise the Lord. We're magnifying him in our praise and our worship today. Hallelujah. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. We're going to have you be seated in just a moment. But uh, how about the, the baptism presentation just a moment ago? Was that pretty awesome or what? Thank the Lord. Wasn't it awesome to finally get to actually see one? Especially a child. You see their head, it disappears, and it comes right back. And So uh, hopefully those days are behind us. Now you'll be able to witness I was, I was just, I'm pumped by this whole thing. Everybody that's worked up here all week is tired of hearing that, but I'm, this is a dream come true for me for years, and I'm so excited about it. So, uh, actually, we've been baptizing people about every Sunday for the past four or five Sundays, and uh, we are obviously very happy about that. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. I want everybody to understand with all this new stuff, we haven't forgotten what our vision is and for what our purpose is. We haven't forgot about our message either. So uh, uh, it's just, it's just going to look a little different, but it's going to sound the same. The message is the same. Anyway, uh, we want to congratulate the folks. A couple of our children have been baptized, one last Sunday, one this Sunday. And uh, first of all, Miss Emma was baptized last Sunday. And when I said her name, she smiled real big. Yes, she did. Come up here, sweetie. No, wait, won't you look at all the people? And look up there at all them lights. That's pretty cool, ain't it? <laughs> that was worth that moment right there, wasn't it? But this is your baptism certificate. It's got your name on it when you were baptized, where you was baptized. And so you'll never forget it. Isn't that pretty amazing? So bring that to your mama, and we're happy for you, baby. Let's give her some appreciation today. And Brother Elijah, you just saw him baptized, and um, uh, he came right out of the water. You saw him raise his hands. He changed his clothes, came right up here, and right up here while they were singing, he had his hands up worshiping the Lord. We're happy for Brother Elijah today. Can you come up here, bud? And here, take Pastor's hand right here. Come on up here, buddy. That's right. We've got you a certificate that you were baptized in the beautiful name of Jesus today at Grace Church. How about that? It's pretty cool. Take it to your mama, and she'll take care of it for you. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. Let's give the Lord some more appreciation today. Thank the Lord. Again, great to see all of you. Thank you for being here. I want to call your attention to the Word of God. Acts chapter 1 and verse 7. 
in Acts chapter 12, or Acts chapter 1, and then we'll read verse, skip down to verse 12. I want to apologize to our sermon notes committee. Uh, I guess I made a mistake. I thought the Lord moved on me earlier this week and sent them notes, and I got here yesterday around noon, and either God changed his mind or I misunderstood. But I feel like I've heard from the Lord today. Thank the Lord. Acts chapter 1, verse 7. And he, Jesus, said unto them, It is not for you to know the time or the seasons which the Father has put in his own power, but you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and in the uttermost part of the earth. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, a cloud received him out of their sight. They could not see him anymore. Feels kind of like some of us over the past six months. Kind of feels in a way Jesus just kind of disappeared. It does. He didn't, but it seems that way. He only disappeared out of their sight so he could reveal himself in a more powerful way later. I could tear this building down. Skipping down to verse 12, and when they returned unto Jerusalem, from the Mount called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. Everybody say Sabbath day's journey. And when they were come in, they went up into an upper room where abode both Peter and James and John and Andrew and Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus and Simon Zelotes and Judas, the brother of James. And they all continued with one accord in prayer. They continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brethren. Today, I want to talk to you for a little while about from promise to destiny. From promise to destiny. Everybody say, thank God for the word. Thank you for your patience and standing. You may be seated. <clears throat> if there's any spiritual inclination about us at all, we have learned over the past six months that Involvement in spiritual growth and even numerical growth is going to tax everything about us. And I believe today, and I've shared this with you, that God is truly leading Grace Church to a new place, a new level, a new destiny. You say, Pastor, I've heard those words before, and I think maybe it slipped by some of you. We're glad to see Chuck and Schwan here today. We've come a long way, baby, since Baker. We've come a long ways. And God has steadily, through the years, taken us from one level to the next, to the next. We don't always see it. We don't always recognize it. But he's done it. We've come a long way since 12 people in a little building in Baker. Amy remembers that and others. Cassie, uh, others here today remember that. God is truly leading Grace Church. He's not done with us yet. He is not done. <clears throat> and I truly believe that you are literally seeing 
and hearing, you're literally seeing and hearing the beginning of a whole new opportunity for Grace Church. Yes, we've been praying. We've just concluded 21 days of sacrifice. We've been faithful. Now is the time to open our minds and our hearts and move from the latest group of God's promise to our new determined destiny that he has for our church. And everyone say amen. The battle that we have been in is throwing at us every single distraction and danger it can to hinder where the church and its individual leaders are headed. James Allen will become as small as your controlling desire, as great as your dominant aspiration. One man said, great works are performed not by strength. Great works are performed not by strength, but by perseverance. He that shall walk with vigor three hours a day, this man said, will pass in seven years a space equal to the circumference of the globe. Great works are performed not by strength, but by perseverance. Someone else said virtue lies in the struggle, not in the prize. Never despair, somebody said. But if you do, work on in despair. That's where we've been for the past six months. Throughout Scripture, there are exhortations and challenges brought to us that urge us to completely crash through every obstacle and every hindrance that comes into our path. One of the heroes of the Old Testament, Hebrews 11, said about Moses, by faith, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. For he had respect unto the recompense of reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. The Bible said in Acts chapter 20, Paul said when he was testifying before Agrippa, but none of these things move me, neither do I count my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. I want us to understand today and I've presented to you over the past couple of months that I believe God has made to us some promises and given to us some assurances. If we can take the journey from the promise to the destiny, if we can take him at his word and trust what he said and go to the place that he has directed us, I believe that God has a revival and a harvest for Grace Church like we've not seen before. I need four or five people to get on board with me right now. We're moving forward. I'm not interested in going backward. I'm not interested in staying where we've been. I want to move to a place in our relationship with God that we've never been before. Everybody clap your hand and shout yes. 
So the first lesson that you cannot underestimate is what can happen in a day, what can happen in a relatively short period of time, of what can happen by traveling just a short distance. All of us have had our share of good days. All of us have had our share of bad days. Again, over the past six months, and I'll cease to refer to that in just a moment, but we seemingly have had a few more bad days than we've had good days. Some of you have said goodbye to friends and loved ones. We've lost preachers and pastors to this pandemic. All of us have had our share of good and bad days. But I want to rest my faith and confidence today on what the Word of God had to say about the days that we live. The psalmist said in verse 18, 118, verse 23, that this is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day that the Lord hath made, and I will rejoice, and I'll be glad in it. Hallelujah to God. Somebody needs to understand that you're still in the hand of God. God still sees your faith and your faithfulness and your trust, and he's going to take care of the church today. Far too often in life, both spiritually and materially, there is a tendency to underestimate the value of a day's journey or what can even unfold in a day. This journey that the disciples took from the Mount of Olives to the upper room was a little over a half a mile. There's people here today that walk two, three, four miles a day. A half a mile is nothing for you. There's some of us other folks, though, a half a mile would be a challenge. I'd have to stop for a break here and there. A glass of water wouldn't be bad. But it's just the point is, is it was a distance that they could traverse in less than a day. It wasn't far. It was something that could be accomplished in a day. But I want you to notice, whether we like it or not, and whether we understand it and appreciate it or not, there were restrictions. There were some requirements. There were some things that God brought to their mind. Now, whether or not this journey they took from the Mount of Olives to the upper room was on the Sabbath day, I'm not sure about that. But it is interesting to me that the Bible did not say that Jesus told them before he disappeared out of their sight. He said, I'm going to fill you up with power like you've never known. So I just want you to walk about a half a mile to the upper room and it's going to happen, bam. He didn't say that. We have come to learn from Luke, the writer. He didn't say it was a half a mile. He said it was a Sabbath day's journey. And what they came to understand is if you're going to be a recipient of the promise of God, you have to take the path he chooses and you have to obey his commandments when you get there. I think that just hit the back wall and went plumb over our head. So I'm going to say it again. 
If you want the promise of God to be fulfilled in your life, you've got to take the direction he tells you to go in and obey his commandments when you get there. It ain't up to you, buddy. It's up to you to show up, but it's up to us to show up in faith. It's up to us to show up believing. It's up to us to show up trusting. God made me a promise a little while ago, and I'm going to stay put in this spot until, oh God, I feel the Holy Ghost. You're going to have to stay put in the promise and in the assurance and in the trust of God until that promise is fulfilled. So bottom line, I'm not going to read the verses. I have them. But God had restrictions on them harvesting manna on the Sabbath day. They could only travel so far on the Sabbath. It was about a half a mile. So their cities around, Jeru- around Israel, well, some of them were built and established, especially cities of refuge. It was designed so somebody could be there on a Sabbath day's journey. It was only about a half mile. So according to the book of Acts, when the disciples, when the disciples, when, when Jesus left them from the Mount of Olives, I want you folks to understand and get this point. This is what God spoke to me yesterday. He disappeared. Do you understand that? He didn't go away out into the woods or get onto a boat and go on the other side of the sea. He went straight up into the clouds and poof, he was gone. Now, I want to tell you something. Those disciples could have gotten real puny in their faith. They could have said, wait, 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 whoa, whoa, whoa. This isn't what I bargained for. I've been following him around for three and a half years, and I'm not sure I totally understood this disappearing act that he's about to do. Somebody needs to hear that today. All the preaching you've heard and all the Bible studies you've heard, and we've talked about this in the the past few weeks, it seems like it it all went out the window because God just somehow disappeared. But those people were able to keep their faith intact. And it got to the point I don't know how long all this took. I don't know how long it took him to ascend. It might have been a second. It might have took 10 minutes. I don't know. But it got to the point where the disciples were just standing there. I'm not faulting them. I think I'd have been pretty curious too. That's never happened to me before. Where a man just started floating off the earth and went all the way, you think about that, all the way up, I'm trying to make this real, all the way up in the clouds, and was gone. What's interesting to me is God willed it to where they would not just stand there gawking and groveling in their disappointment and upset about what just happened. God willed it, and he made it happen this way. I'm getting off my notes bad, Nathan, I apologize. But God ordained it. He knew what they would do. So he had a couple of angels hang back. After Jesus went on up into heaven, 
All everybody else was enjoying the celebration up there. But God dispatched a couple of very willing serving angels and said, sorry, you're going to miss a little bit of this, but I need you to talk to them guys because I know what they're going to do. When I disappear, they're going to stare into heaven and they're going to wonder what in the world happened and what do we do and where do we go from here and what just happened to our Jesus that we've been following for three and a half years and we watch raise the dead and cast out devils and heal the sick and cleanse the leper. What are we going to do now? And an angel just stuck his head down and frustrated because he's missing the celebration going in heaven. And he looked at them and said, why are you standing here gazing? Quit looking up in the cloud and wonder what happened. It's time for you to move on to the next level, the next dimension, the fulfillment of the greatest promise that God has ever made to mankind. If you will obey Jesus and believe his promise, you're about to not just see Jesus, he's going to be in you oh my and you know what it was only a day's journey it was a half a mile it didn't take long they just had to do it it was a day's journey for them to go from the mountaintop of promise where Jesus disappeared out of their sight to the upper room where they received a new revelation of him through the infilling of the Holy Ghost. I see you. Sounds pretty good, Pastor. If you had been sitting in my office chair yesterday and behind my desk when this came to me, I wanted to tear my office down. God just... Brother Donnie, I don't know where he went again. I, I don't know where I can't find him. There he is. I was looking over there for some reason. But buddy, you make this happen. Your team has made this happen. I want you all to understand that. I'm not just saying words. I'm coming in front of our church and all of our live stream audience to say this. You've enabled us to get off of a mountain that we've enjoyed for the past several years. God has done some amazing things at this church. We've seen people baptized in the Holy Ghost. We've seen miracles. The little boy that was Elijah that was baptized a few moments ago, God performed a miracle in his body several, uh, several months ago that was just absolutely amazing. Over the past several days, people have shared with me miracles that have been outstanding. We'll share maybe some of those in the future, but I'm just here to say we've been on a mountaintop at this church over the past number of years and we've enjoyed the blessing of God but God seemingly spoke to my heart yesterday and said quit standing and gawking and gazing over what happened yesterday forget about the past three and a half years I've got a whole nother line of promise to fulfill I'm taking you up a notch I'm moving you somebody's got to hear me today I believe that God has grace church in the palm of his hand and he's not just leading us around in a wilderness we're not here to go in a circle and to live on a mountain we're going to descend to an upper room and we're going to see a side of God that we've not seen in the past somebody clap your hands to the Lord right now well, it wasn't far they weren't far from the fulfillment of their promise
It didn't take them long to get there. What we've come to learn over the past six months, that this journey from the mountain to the upper room has contradictions. This journey from promise to destiny has some contradictions. The journey that the disciples, this hardy 120, started on had its share of fear and even some discouragement as they understood that Jesus was now gone from them. But journeys like this always began in this manner, but they generally turn out with such great power. Imagine Gideon summoned an army of 30 thousand men and God said it's too many and then it went to 10 and then it finally ended up 300 this is the way God works Esther fearful of approaching the king but out of necessity she went anyway and and saved her people Abraham left all that was dear to him and achieved God's plan for the ages that we still see being fulfilled today Elijah who fought the most worst king in Israel had Ahab Uh, in a corner and ultimately prevailed over him. Forward progress will always have accompanying contradiction. The contradictions will always be there until there's a dying out to the things of lesser value. The disciples had to make that Sabbath day's journey to an upper room, but they were willing to do it. And look what happened. If you and I as Grace Church here today will trade good things for noble things, if we'll trade lesser things for more chief things if we we will have to trade worldly things for heavenly things we'll be forced to trade things of common worth for greater worth we may think we know the value of noble spiritual things such as revival and consecration and prayer and growth but until we finally experience them it will only be living at that point that the true worth of the journey helps us to see Folks, we've got to make this journey. We've got to make this journey. I dare say to you that those great seekers of the Bible, or excuse me, those great seekers in the Bible were all uncertain until the task was finally fulfilled. What about the man who sold everything he had to buy the pearl of great price? What about the man who sold everything he had to buy a field with a hidden treasure? What about Matthew who left his tax tables to get in on what Jesus was calling him for? What about the uncertainties that filled the heart of Zacchaeus as he was climbing the sycamore tree? What contradictions did Paul struggle with when he knew that he was going to Rome and was going to be meeting a Caesar who would ultimately behead him? I want to know what it's like to, I want. I know what it's like to feel discouragement tugging at my heart when I'm trying to encourage others. I know what it feels like to have doubt tearing at my faith while I'm trying to patch up the deteriorated faith of others. I know what it feels like to endure criticism that will drain the life out of every spiritual vision that I've ever had. I know what it feels like to feel desire ebbing out of my soul while I'm trying to keep my game face on while I go another round with the devil. Disappointment with myself and others. High aspirations only to be stifled by the daily responsibilities of life. But it's part of the journey. We have to understand a journey. I'm not trying to be Captain Obvious here today, but every journey will always be forged 
by moving forward. Why stand you here gazing the angel's head? You folks have to understand. I've stood in this pulpit last year, first part of this year, and I'll be honest, even part of this year, through all this pandemic thing, I've stood in this pulpit, and I have felt the power and the unction and the anointing of the Holy Ghost. You've seen it, and you've heard it, but God has asked me to leave that mountain. Why are you still gawking? Brad, you said you, you fired the first shot, man. When your baby woke up and couldn't breathe and was heaving, you wanted to take him to the fire station, to the ambulance. But you said, I'll pray first. God got you off of a mountain, buddy. And you're on a journey now. You're obligated. You're committed. You're dedicated. God made you a promise. And now you're on a forward journey to see the fulfillment of what God is going to do in your life and your, in your family. If we retreat to the Old Testament, there's an incredible verse that sums up David's success. The Bible said, out of all the tumult and all the tragedy that he experienced, the Bible said, and David went on and he grew great and the Lord God of hosts was with him. I have determined, I've determined by the help of God in the face of all we've been through this year. I've heard people say, I can't wait till 2020's over. We're not guaranteed 2021's going to be any better, but I understand the sentiment, but I'm determined as David did. We're going on. Grace Church is going on by the power and direction of the Holy Ghost. We're moving forward. We're moving forward because God made a promise on a mountain and he said, quit gawking and quit staring. I've got more in the future for you. Jacob went on to God's promise. The priests went on in front of the children of Israel. They were the first ones to step into Jordan. Elisha went on with Elijah and he got the mantle. The dilemma of life often presents itself at times that we get stuck in a place when we ought to go on, which is where we are to now. This is where we are now. Far too many want to camp out at their points of success and spiritual conquest or where they have been beset by some tragedy. But by the same token, there's people who also end up stopping at their places of defeat and failure and never go on to God's full promise. We can't do that. We must go on. I've heard people say, I'm moving ahead. I've heard people say, if we just had an opportunity, if I could just have one more chance, if I could just have one more opportunity. I've reached a point where I'm not really asking God anymore for a blessing. I'm asking God for one more opportunity. The blessing comes by default when you walk through the door of opportunity. Brother Donnie, I got to admit, I didn't know how all this was going to work today. But, buddy, I feel more at home right now than I have since I've been in this church. I ain't kidding you. These lights are brighter. That wall's darker. That screen's bigger. Those screens are gone. The drum cage moved. But, buddy, it feels like 
I've just moved into a brand new house. God has just given me the keys to a door that's going to open up. My God, my God. We have, Grace Church, listen to Pastor. We have an opportunity to prove who we are. We have an opportunity to stay with it. We have an opportunity to turn lives around. We have an opportunity to improve our mind. We have an, an opportunity right now to form good habits, to be useful and to invest in our lives and in the lives of others. We have an opportunity to make a plan for the future. The word opportunity comes from the root word signifying at port or in the harbor. This is a suggestive of the statement. There is a tide in the affairs of men which taken at flood leads on to fortune. And I feel like we're at high tide right now. And I feel a breeze behind me that's blowing me in the direction of God's promise and the fulfillment of our destiny. There's great opportunities that will present themselves only once or twice in a lifetime. And a man must know that and take advantage of those times and never look back. I want y'all to know, Pastor, is at that point, I feel water rising above my feet and a wind blowing behind my back. God's given us an opportunity right now to go from promise to destiny. God talked to me a couple of months ago. I shared it with you. It's not a far journey from here. It's not a far journey from here. And we're going to do it by the help of God. I want you to notice that the Mount of Olives... was the height of fellowship. Those disciples on the Mount of Olives, they had been through all the miracle ministry of Jesus. They saw all that stuff. They heard all of his teaching, which blew their mind. They even went through the crucifixion, which had to be one of the most devastating times in anybody's life that followed Jesus. But he finally took them to the top of a mountain. And he revealed to them his plan. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel, he said. And I'm sure they were on cloud nine, buddy. And they were ready just to see Jesus do more than turning water to wine and cleansing lepers and raising dead people. But instead, he disappeared. But before he did and as he did, they were closer than they had ever been. They had more chemistry than they ever had. They understood each other more than ever. But to get to the fulfillment of promise, to get to their destiny, they had to go down. They had to descend from the top of the mountain to get to the upper room. Are y'all on board with that statement? Y'all came here at your monitors turned around backwards. <laughs> Our church, I feel like it's never been tighter. We've never been on the same page like we are now. We've been through some stuff. And we're at the top of the mountain right now. But God is saying, I want you to go back down. 
And there's going to be some challenging times. But if you'll stay with it, you're not far now from your destiny. It's only a half a mile. It's not far. They did it. They got to the upper room in one day. But what's fascinating to me, as short as that distance was, they had to sit there for about two weeks twiddling their thumbs. They finally got bored and elected a new board member. There's nothing else to do. Let's go ahead and replace Judas. Why don't you sit here staring at each other? But when God was ready, when the day was fully come, there was a sound. I'll tell you, I've heard a sound. I'm not trying to be weird and mystical. God has put me in a place in my pastoral ministry. I've been, in, been doing this for 35 years. I'm one of them old people now. I've always said I'd rather my hair turn gray than it turn loose. But when you're a Murphy, you get both. Brother James said, I feel like I'm one of them old codgers now. I've been doing this a long time. But I give you all I've got this morning. I've never been in a place in my relationship with God like I am now. I've heard God talk to me over the past several months that I've never heard before. And he spoke to me yesterday. And he said, take them down from their mountaintop. They're being back on campus. Back to kind of having the building semi-full again. Take them away from the amazing music and singing and the big screen and the lights and all that. Take them to a secluded place with me. And I'm going to be there in a few days with a revelation of myself like they've never seen before. At the crucifixion, I can imagine that the disciples who looked at him hanging there were troubled by the thoughts of how it had all been a waste. It's kind of the way I felt last March, this past March, this past April. Things weren't looking too successful. Things weren't looking too miraculous. Everything was in shambles. Most dreams and visions that are given by God will always find themselves in death throes before they ever crash through into reality. But God took them from that devastating moment of seclusion. Do you remember that Jesus broke through the wall he walked through the wall where they were closed in 
they were in quarantine and he came to where they were and manifested himself that was not the totality of God's plan if you're going to receive my promise I need you to come out of the house and I'm going to take you to a temporary mountaintop and I'm going to disappear but I'm coming again folks don't understand think you're hearing me today God has a place for his church and I believe preceding the rapture we're going to a place in him that we've never been before the disciples learned that every test and every vision had to pass the sacrifice of the cross. If you can survive the cross and the experience of the cross, you'll have your upper room. If you'll stand with me this morning. Brother Donnie, I believe it was Brother Anthony Mangan that told this story and years ago at Because of the Times, and I've never forgotten it. He told the story of a young man by the name of Monty, who was a son of, itiner- of, of an itinerant horse trainer who would go from stable to stable, racetrack to racetrack, farm to farm, ranch to ranch, training horses. As a result, the boys high school career was continually interrupted. When he was a senior, he was asked to write a paper about what he wanted to be and do when he grew up. So he went home that night and wrote a seven-page paper describing the goal of someday owning his own horse ranch. He wrote about his dream in great detail, and he even drew a diagram of a 200-acre ranch showing the location of all the buildings, the stables, and the track. Then he drew a detailed floor plan for a 4,000-square-foot house that would sit in the middle of his 200-acre dream ranch. Put a great deal of his heart into this project, and the next day he handed it to his teacher. Two days later, he received his paper back. And on the front page was a large red F and a note from the teacher that said, see me after class. The boy with a dream went to the teacher after class and said, why did I receive the F? The teacher said, this is an unrealistic dream for a young boy like you. You have no money. You come from an itinerant family. You have no resources. Owning a horse ranch requires a lot of money. You have to buy land. You have to pay for the original breeding stock. You'll later have to pay for large stud fees and all the expense that goes with a ranch and a house. There's no way, she said, you could ever do that. She handed the paper back to him and said, if you'll go rewrite this paper with a more realistic goal, I'll reconsider your grade. Monty went home, thought about it alone, 
long time, thought about it long and hard. He asked his daddy, what should I do? His daddy said, look, son, you have to make up your own mind on this. However, I do think it's a very important decision for you to make. After sitting and thinking for about a week, the boy turned in the same paper, making no changes at all. He walked up to his teacher and he said, you can keep the F, but I'm gonna keep my dream. The boy with the dream became a man and his dream became a reality. A number of years ago, I believe it was Brother Anthony that preached it, said Monty told the story in the living room of his 4,000 square foot home in the middle of his 200 acre horse ranch. The paper that he wrote had been framed and hung over the mantle of the fireplace. He related that dream to that same school teacher who brought 30 of her kids to camp out on his 200 acre ranch. When the teacher was leaving, she told Monty in years past, I've been somewhat of a dream stealer. During those years, I took kids' dreams. Fortunately, you didn't give up on yours. She said, don't let anybody steal your dreams, no matter what. When we came here 27 years ago, my mother said, why are you going to Baker, a burnt over field, and try to build a church in the shadow of other great churches in the area? I looked at her and I said, Mom, you don't understand calling. And we started with 12 people in an old rickety building. But here we are today. bottom line told my mother in all due respect and essentially said you can keep your F but I'm keeping my dream and God has brought us to a mountaintop yes he has but now he's saying I need you to leave it I've got somewhere else I want you to go so you know what the plan is right now in just the next few weeks we're going to remodel our platform and we're gonna push it back about two or three feet so we can add about two more rows of chairs across the front of this building. That's what we're doing next. Because God said, leave the mountaintop, leave the promise, and start walking in your destiny. God, I feel the Holy Ghost here today. Hallelujah to God. So the visible Jesus becomes the invisible Jesus. To become a more powerful Jesus, we must understand that we've not experienced it all. No, we haven't. So what do I want to ask you to do today? I'm going to ask everybody to step on out on faith. You can wear your mask, whatever. But if you're on board today with Grace Church and going to a place in Him we've never been before, we're not changing our message. You know that. But we're going to make change some methods and we're going to have some ideas and watch God do great things. If you're on board with that, would you leave the spot you're standing? Would you leave your mountaintop right now and walk up here and say, I want to be a part of the destiny. I don't want to 
not just live under the umbrella of promise, but I want to move into a place that's real, a place that's fulfilling, a place where dreams come true. Everybody come and let's stand around the front as they begin to sing. I want you to embrace. I want you to engage your destiny because this is the first step. In wonder and surrender we fall down. Oh my. Come on, Grace Church. I'm going to ask you to worship. I'm going to ask you to lift your face in your hand. Today is a day of celebration. Today is a day of rejoicing. We heard from the Lord yet again. And God has us on the path. He has us.
Show us your glory in wonder and surrender. 
Show.